Hello, this is Don Bluth, and you're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Episode 110, Dragon's Lair Indiegogo. Interview with Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Animation Addicts Podcast. I'm Morgan Stradling, here with my co-hosts, Chelsea Robson and Mason Smith. And we are here with Gary Goldman and Don Bluth, two animation icons, to talk about their new crowdfunding platform for the Dragon's Lair movie. So welcome, and thank you for letting us do this interview with you guys. Oh, this thank is really you. fun to be here, right? Yeah. What are we going to talk about? It's all up to you. you get, tell us. <laughs> okay, Gary, you start, because you're really good all at right, this. All right, I want to just say one thing. For, we're not getting money to make the movie. We're getting money to make a pitch, a sizzle pitch presentation. Okay. It's all case, about the sizzle reel. That's it. That's what it's about. And if we can get that up to a right, the right amount, we can do an awful lot with that to give investors a chance to see what it's going to look like and mm-hmm. what its entertainment is going to be all about. Trying to raise yeah, the money absolutely. to make a picture. That's, that's right. the big deal. Raise the money to make a picture. Do you know what? I understand we're making four minutes. Four minutes, guys. That's all we're making. Mm-hmm. Four minutes. And it's going to be a lot of storyboarding, and I can hardly wait to do that. <laughs> and, uh, and then somewhere in the middle of it, we're going to take out the storyboard, throw it away, and we're going to animate probably one minute worth mm-hmm. and put it in color. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> put it in color. So that'll be the fun part. And then hopefully we'll stick that under our arm and off we go to all the money people. And they are waiting with bated breath, I understand. Mm-hmm. And they're going to fund the movie and we're going to make the movie. There you go. And so is that? Are we done? <laughs> That's all we need. So thank you for joining us today. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. And everybody's going to live happily ever after. Yeah. I can just, I can see it. I can see sure this, works. yeah. I, I just remember one of our very first interviews that we ever did with the Rotoscopers was with you, Don. And I remember we were talking about this exact project. You know, many years, this is something that's been going on for a long time. Oh, yeah. So it's a lot of history behind this. Yes, and he and I are procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> Seems that way, though. That, that's what we do. We, we start it out. Together. No, but he, you know what? I think what it is, he has all these kids, and he has this wonderful wife, and, the, and they go on <laughs> vacations all the time. And why don't you stay home? <laughs> well, you know. Anyway, but there he is, and we're doing it now, so that's no, important. No, but I'm, I'm saying like the, that's what's really exciting about it is that this is something that has such a history behind it. This yeah. is something that everybody's been waiting for and asking you for over and over and over, yeah. and we've yeah. just been like so, so waiting with bated bat- breath. So what about Dragon's Lair? What, but you know, <laughs> did you know what the funny part is? When we made the game originally, yeah. the Dragon's Lair, I mean, it was just something to keep everybody busy until we mm-hmm. could get another feature together. Right. So no one really took it too seriously. And so Dirk was just this dumb knight who goes out there and, and slays everything with his sword and rescues a very stupid princess who doesn't have any <laughs> brains at all. And so that was just sort of fun back there, you know, in those days. But now someone says, how are we going to make a movie out of a, a really airheaded princess and a stupid knight? <laughs> so, um, I mean, we've got to climb a big hill now. <laughs> well, speaking of hills to climb, like, it's only been four days since y'all moved to Indiegogo, and the campaign is now, like, 70% funded. Woohoo! Uh, more than 170000 raised by more than 2,500 people. So, like, how does it feel to know that your crowdfunding campaign has gained so much momentum in so little time? But you know what? I learned a long time ago that I don't really pop the cork until the money's in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I mean, that's, that's good money, and those are contributors and everything, but when that money's in the bank and Gary tells me the money's in the bank, I'm going to definitely <laughs> pop that cork. Attaboy. And post a picture on social media for the rest of us. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So with Dragon's Lair, there's been rumors over the years that you guys have wanted to do this. There was even, you know, talks maybe back in the 80s of initial storyboards, and then, you know, you went on to other projects. Right. And why now? Why in 2015? You know, I think part of it is because we actually still believe that traditional hand-drawn animation can make a debut now mm-hmm. with all of the CG stuff going on. Uh, that in our in our case, we got to the point where, gee, they all seem to look alike. You mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, yeah. and not to put it down, I've seen we've seen some great uh, movement in getting it uh, better and better. But uh, still, the love of traditional animation. There's a lot of kids that are going to miss that, except for watching it on the little screen if the parents still have some of our films and Disney films, other films. We just think this, it, it's the time. I think we mm-hmm. can slip it in there, and if we can prove that it'll make a big profit for the investors, mm-hmm. then we may be on our way awesome. again. What are you talking about? Are you told me we're doing this because your cat died? No, <laughs> your cat did die. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was just only a bit of We'll bring it up. <laughs> okay, okay. So those are the real reasons we're doing it. Okay, we're trying to actually. Wouldn't it be wonderful if... We had some traditional animation that was being made nowadays, and, you know, and people were being creative about that mm-hmm. and everything. And by the way, in case you guys know this, today is Walt's birthday. This yes. Happy 5th birthday of December. to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Walt. Happy birthday to you. Y'all are lucky because you have Chelsea singing. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> No, but what a, what a great tribute, you know, really, what a great tribute it would be to him to say that, you know, there are a lot of people out there believe enough in what he created to say, let's, let's don't let it just die off somewhere whimpering to death, but you know, we can bring it back and, and let people enjoy it. There's a whole generation of people that didn't experience what he knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's been, it's been 15 years since Titan AE, which was y'all's last film, so how does the hand-drawn pipe, like, how is it different now for y'all? Has the hand-drawn pipeline changed or have it, has it modernized like what's your strategy for for your pipeline there are a lot of modernizations of especially for effects there's things you can do now in either cg or in uh, after effects there's a lot of things that are available now that actually help keep our costs down mm-hmm. i mean that's going to be the secret is is doing this movie for a lot less than what's going on in mm-hmm. the in the cg mm-hmm. world yeah and if you're followed that, you can see that they're spending, you know, anywhere from 150 to 300 million dollars to make a movie. You can only imagine how many tickets they have to get to sell oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to get a, get your money back, let alone uh, pay for the promotions and everything else that's along with that. It's a, it's a big deal, and you're watching them. They're making big dollars coming mm-hmm. back from these, these movies. So I think as long as we satisfy multi tiers of uh, age groups. Uh, we, we can make something that will be entertaining for everybody from 8 to 80. You know? And something you have on your side is that you have an established property, which already has a very rabid, you know, nostalgic fan base. Yes. Um, so what are you going to do to make this different? Is this going to just kind of be a rehashing of the first the, the first two games or an entirely oh, new oh, yeah. story and plot? So give us a little hint of, of where this is going. It's a prequel. Oh. We're gonna, a prequel. Prequel, and it's gonna, we're going to follow these two kids mm-hmm. into their adulthood or almost adulthood and give you uh, what their personalities are about and what they want and how they get there. Yeah. 
That may not be as so, good as you could deliver. Well, I don't know, but if, if you have a log line, you have to say that Dirk, uh, right in the beginning of the show, we have a hook. So we have some of the ideas of how the script's going to play out, but there's a hook right in the beginning where Mordrock, the horrible, evil man, you know, decides he oh, wants yeah. to put himself on the throne. He wants to be the king and everything. So first you have to kill off the old king and queen. So he sends a dragon. He creates one, sends a dragon over to the castle, and smashes the whole thing. And what happens is... Uh, the little boy and the little girl, which turned out to be Daphne and Dirk, are pulled out of there by the palace nurse, pulled out of there and gotten away, but they don't, they're traumatized by this, of course, but they're, they grow up somewhere in the swamps of despair. And uh, while they're out there, Dirk is just one of, like one of those kids that is, I have to be careful how I say this now, sort of one of those entitled kids that think the world owes them a living and everything they can just get for nothing. And he plays and plays and plays and has is ill-suited to become back on the throne as the king because he is a prince. Mm-hmm. So uh, then the story is really about how these two get along. And at the age of seven, <laughs> uh, the little boys don't like girls much. <laughs> so he's going to torture this poor little Daphne to death. And finally, she gets... Um, she gets tutored by their nurse about how to be a lady. And then, you know, Dirk sort of turns on to the whole thing. Eventually. Eventually. Like years <laughs> but <laughs> let, me say, let me say in this four minutes that we're going to build, which is, you know, the presentation piece, that video, that four minutes is really important that we, not only with the money that's going to come from this, we need to find a script writer who is a top-notch Hollywood script writer, mm-hmm. not someone who is just earning the stripes. Mm-hmm. Someone that all of Hollywood will say, oh, they've got him, her, that's all be fantastic script. Because if you get the script, that's the first way a movie's going to be sold. Mm-hmm. They read the script, and if they jump up and down, you know, and wet their pants, then we know that that's a, <laughs> we know that that's a great script. Mm-hmm. If they don't, then we know that we need to keep going on the script. Because that's the key. If the script is good, heck, we can draw the drawings. Mm-hmm. If it's funny enough, they will wet their pants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the way, the nice way to say this, there wasn't a dry seat in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, we talked a little bit all about uh, Dirk and Daphne. Um, I can only, if judging by how squeaky Daphne's voice is when she's an adult, I can only imagine how squeaky her voice is going to be as a child. So, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Oh, I don't think you could go there. Uh, we have to make, you know what, like I said before, what we did with Daphne when we made the games is we were just, you know, peddling time. And uh, so we made her kind of an airhead, and you can see it in the game. And I think it's going <laughs> to offend almost everyone that's female. So uh, our job really is to sort of make her appealing. And I think what we'll do is much the same you do in Calamity Jane, you do it in Annie Get Your Gun, you do it in My Fair Lady. You start off with a tomboy. And then the tomboy turns into this beautiful princess at the end. So we'll start off like that. And as a tomboy, she's got grit. It's there. Actually, in the uh, uh, early 2000s, uh, we were advanced by uh, approach, excuse me, uh, to do some licensing for a comic book company. Mm -hmm. And uh, they attacked that by trying to tell why she was in that bubble and why she was an airhead. She wasn't really an airhead. She was... She was basically drugged by more drugs to you know, put her in that bubble. So, uh, and eventually, in the comic books, if you follow them, you see that eventually Daphne works with uh, Dirk to mm. fight off his adversaries. Goes through some rehab, and she's good after that. Whatever, yeah, six months. I mean, you know, you know what's funny? I always thought when we were making the game clear back when in the eighties, I thought I always thought that he's an airhead, she's an airhead. They deserve each other. That's what I They're perfect. They're perfect. Yes. Just send him a check. 
Well, thinking of on voices, I mean, have you do you, have you been thinking thus far like different people? We've probably up? made six lists. But yeah. yeah, but you know what? I don't think he, I, that. I don't want to get to the voice just too soon. Yeah. I think that script will tell us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll delegate. What, you know, I mean, not delegate. It'll actually, if it's the way it's written, it'll make you think of a certain actors. Mm-hmm. So. Right. We're hoping that this is, by the way, a comedy. Yes. You know, we want to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a little bit of you know serious stuff going through it, but I think we want to make it kind of fun mm-hmm. and comedy. There was an old show years ago called Moonlighting, if anybody remembers that. Bruce Willis was in it, and uh, I can't remember the lady's name. Was in it. Um, I'll come to you in a minute. Anyway, they started this kind of banter back and forth where we were trying to one up each other, them. and it was it was wonderful, very 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 funny. So I'm sure that's going to happen to these these two kids. So tell me that's about awesome. the you know when you're going to be doing these storyboards and, and initially designing the characters. How are the designs going to be very you know familiar or slightly uh, stylized? I think going to probably be three or four different designs for their age as mm-hmm. we grow them. You know, we'll jump actually do a jump from seven or eight years to. But she's talking about style. Style or style. Will it be? You know, when I was playing the game, is it going to be the exact same sort of character designs and and look that I'm used to, or slightly morphed to something maybe a little bit more stylized? I I think it's still going to have a classical look. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like you see in the game. However. Uh, it'll be different in that the environment in which they operate is lit differently. Mm-hmm. It's more yeah. dramatic in many, many ways. When you see Mordrock, and he's kind of a cartoon-looking character in the game, Mordrock will be a little bit more seriously evil, you know, because he, he's a serious guy and he's one to watch out for. Mm-hmm. So we have to do that. Uh, just toying with ideas, but Mordrock, you know, he, he's a dirty old man, and, and he, <laughs> uh, he's in love with Daphne, and look at him. He looks in the mirror and he says, haven't got a prayer. <laughs> so uh, maybe um, maybe what Mordrak's going to do is with all of his little magic stuff that he can do is maybe he's going to try and change himself into a gorgeous man. And then he's going to go after the princess, but the gorgeous doesn't last except maybe five and a half hours. Mm. And then, you know, he's only got that long to woo the princess. So stuff like that we're just playing around with to yeah. see if we can. But I think you're going to see a style that's very reminiscent of what the game mm-hmm. was. Awesome. Hate to deliver something different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. I feel like I feel like a lot of the fan base are really tapping into their nostalgic feelings of the game, you know, the ones that actually played it and stuff. And so, one thing I remember from the game is kind of the the content. So, and something that I've been wanting to ask y'all is like content wise, like what can we expect as far of, of like a maturity level? Because this is y'all's property, and there's no Hollywood executives, you know, calling the shots on content, so what can we expect? Is it going to be like PG, PG PG-13 stuff? Beyond? (laughs) Well, let's see. What was Secret of Nim? Um, That was PG, I believe. Yeah, it was PG. It should have been PG. We asked for PG. They gave us PG, and the investors ran and said, oh, no, no, it's got to be a G rating. We'll never... (laughs) There's a whole story behind that. And they turned it back to G rated, and my son was 12. And he came to me crying. And he says, Dad, this movie is so cool. My friends won't go see this movie. Because it's G. They would not be caught dead in a theater with a G-rated movie. I'm sure we're going to be PG. So, you know, we have have to go there. And and the opening scenes that I got pictured in my head, you know, we'll pull out the stops. We'll make them scary. Awesome. All right. Nice. Very dark moments. You know... We, on the podcast, we have a term that we call the Don Bluth Dazzle, Whoa. and that's that's when y'all take the light behind the cell and you shine it through, and it gives off that really cool glow. Oh yeah, that. can we expect can we expect some Don Bluth Dazzle in this film? 
not digital, it's just straight up. We do good da- good it. dazzle. You get some dazzle. You heard it first, guys. <laughs> Only dazzle. We could go further. We'll do razzle dazzle. <laughs> Holy cow. That was going to be my next question. I haven't got a clue what the razzle is going to be, but you know. Why not? <laughs> All right. Y'all heard it first on, on the rotoscopers. We can expect razzle dazzle. Razzle dazzle. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, there's. This is. I'm probably thinking no, but is it going to be like songs or no songs? Because you've done several with and several without. So, I think the reason that people put songs in movies now to animated movies mm-hmm. is because it gives them a good sell through, right. and they can get everybody humming the tunes. If they hum the tunes, they'll want to see the movie. So, I would say <clears throat> we'd be amiss if we didn't remiss if we didn't go in and put some songs in there. But I wouldn't call it a musical. Okay, I wouldn't call it that. There's just a couple of songs. All right. There's not going to be a Broadway version or a Dragon's Lair on Ice. <laughs> you know, you never know. You never. If know. all goes well, we only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so we talked a little about effects, and I remember 15 years ago, Titan AE had some really spectacular CG effects juxtaposed with the hand drawn, uh, like the asteroid field and the the aliens invaders that they fight. So how much CGI can we expect to see in Dragon Slayer? Well, I was thinking effects-wise. You know, you know, in Titan AE, about 93% of the scenes had, had something CG in them, either a prop or a special effect or whatever that, that we were... We became not dependent on it, but we got it. It just it was amazing the things we could do that we couldn't do with cell animation, where you were limited to. When you got to five or six levels of cell on something, it started to affect the, what the background looked like. In yeah. in, in the CG world, and I we would do hand drawn animation, but most likely scan it in. And mm-hmm. a lot of the animators these days can would like to work with a Cintiq, and it's just mm-hmm. going immediately right there. It's yeah, digital it's already, so. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do today that we couldn't do 25 years ago, and that is, that's the most fun, is uh, mm. the details that you can put in a movie now to increase the, the believability of what's going on. However, did I ever tell you that I had a problem with Titan AE? I, I had yes, a problem, I, several times. I, I had a problem with Titan AE in that <clears throat> we went from hand-drawn characters and suddenly went to something that looked like you'd see it in a live-action movie. So some of those environments in the where all the ice crystals were, for example, and all of that, I mean, that looked very, very, very real. And then you would go to what was obviously hand-drawn, mm-hmm. and, and it was, was like, you know, us going, like a boat going from side to side, but I'm not sure what world I was in. <laughs> um, but I was very quiet about those feelings uh, because we were in the middle of making a movie, and, and we had to keep everybody working and keep the pace going and everything, but silently went home and jumped up and down on the bed and was very, very angry. You didn't know that, did Screaming you? at the walls. Screaming <laughs> at the walls. So going back to the sizzle reel, we're t- kind of talking about what the future, what the mo- future movie will look like. But you know, rewinding the the Indiegogo campaign is for the sizzle reel. So tell me um, what you imagine the timeline for production of that, and how big your crew will be. Will it be here in Arizona, or will you relocate? We, no, we're not going to relocate. I mean, it's, it, even at that price, even at that, mm-hmm. that goal we're trying to reach, is really a, not enough money to do a whole lot. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If, Anybody and some people say, "Gee whiz, you have all those old old drawings and everything. You can just use those." Well, and that's mm. we're not golden. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so you're you're going to spend a lot of money, and, and it'll be we'll keep the crew tight. And, you know, we've we've listed people that want to work yep. with us that, that have already, you know, 
they're top animators. They're people that have worked in the industry, worked with us. They worked mm-hmm. at Disney, mm-hmm. and uh, whatever we do there, you know, we want them to be the people that are helping us. And we're getting. It's amazing. Not only people are chiming in, wanting to uh, to contribute. People in the industry are climbing out of the woodwork to say, you know, I'd love to work on this. I'll, yeah. I'll do it for free. You know, but mm. you know, it's amazing. So, work. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, what has that been like? You know, hearing all these people who admire mm. your work and said, "Hey, sign me up. When can I get my plane ticket to Phoenix?" It's scary <laughs> <laughs> but because you you just can't bring on a you know twenty five member crew and do this for that yeah. price unless they want to work for a dollar. But but but, but 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 we will do that when the movie starts. We will oh, get into all that. Oh yeah. I think what's going to happen here though, there's three things we have to accomplish. Three. One of them is we got to take this money and get a great script that's yep. number one number one number two we have to story we have to know what the story is about even if it's just something like a 30 page treatment we have to mm-hmm. know the story mm-hmm. based on that treatment then we go in and we storyboard like an outline board so it's snippets of it mm-hmm. and like rocks skipping across the water mm-hmm. you know so we storyboard that for four minutes worth and we pull out a minute of it and we animate it we clean it up we color it we put it out there we applaud ourselves and that's it <laughs> Then we go and to the town. investors come. And, and the we're hoping other people are flopping, too. No, what <laughs> I think is going to happen somewhere is someone's going to hear all the noise that's going on like this. They're going to get very, very sentimental about the whole thing. And someone's going to walk up and say, look, I have $50 billion. Would, could, would it help? Can I help? <laughs> Can I help? And they will. Yeah. They will. That'll happen. Well, I mean, one of the great things about social funding is just because you're already doing the the back work of getting people excited about this movie. So, you know, when it finally does come to fruition later on, you're going to be able to have that much of an audience waiting for this. Yeah, and it just well, let's just find out you know, what kind of audience we got out there as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm surprised at? I'm surprised that it's created a, a commotion. Yeah? I'm surprised at that, I yeah. It's been picked up by a lot of outlets and... Mm-hmm. A lot of buzz. Yeah, I, I, when we went into it and we started doing the crowdfunding, um, I thought, oh, well, let's just see. I don't know if anybody remembers. Uh-huh. And then suddenly there's a lot that do remember. It's been very gratifying. Yeah. So one thing, why why did you decide to make the switch from Kickstarter to Indiegogo? Because when I heard you were moving to Indiegogo, part of me was like, ooh, so they had so much momentum. Is this going to, you know, go back? Well, it has, has not proven to be the case, but it was probably a hard decision to, to ultimately no, make. That right? was that was my fault, really, that we did that because I think what we did is we jumped in without really knowing exactly how to structure the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kickstarter is a great company, but what, what we did is we went in there and we created something not knowing what we were doing, mm-hmm. which he's really good at. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm worse at it. So anyway, what we did is we just jumped in, and then we weren't we were ill prepared to do it. And when the time ran out, we said well, we haven't done it. And that's when Indiegogo approached us and said, "You guys, come over here. Come over here with us because here's what we can do, mm-hmm. and make sure that you get the money you need." We said, "Wow, okay." Yeah, so yeah. They, and then they instructed us, "This is how you structure it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is wow. how you ride a bicycle." So don't don't just jump on. So anyway, they've they've told us, they've instructed us, and it's worked. We've also we also got a lot of great comments from the from the backers at, at Kickstarter, and you know they were making comments. No, no, this is too much. You need to bring it back down here where more people can afford it. That's mm-hmm. how this works. This is you know mm-hmm. it's going to be volumes of people, not yeah. not volumes of dollars. Yeah, and, and that you're going to do it all with two thousand people in this. And although it ha- that happens. Um, and I think a lot of the comments we've we've, we've listened to this on uh, and watch it mm-hmm. at, uh, the, our, on Indiegogo on our iPhones and see you know and you're watching it just tick away on there mm-hmm. and it's quite exciting. Yeah, keyword being listened for the first time we listened. 
I feel like you guys have listened quite a bit over the years, though. I mean, there's... I've never seen a company where you have done so much for so long just to make sure there's always been a communication between you and your fans. And that's something we've always appreciated about you guys. I think think when you're in the arts, the one thing you have to know... I'm going to be serious for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just, just, the one. Yeah, then we'll go back. (laughs) Just one. Is that for me, art is a very spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. It's something that emanates from the soul of a person. And so, unfortunately, it's something that most people don't understand. And they think it's maybe a painting or it's a picture or it's whatever uh, happens to be labeled as art. But art is one of those things that's very human. It comes from the heart. It's something that you're passionate about, that you really believe in. And so you demonstrate it with what you do, whether it's making pancakes. You know, it's an art. And um, if you can't do that from the heart, then it really isn't an art. Mm-hmm. And I think... The way to do it is you have to know who your audience is. You have to know who's going to look at it. And what are they going to feel when they see it? So you get very serious about the people around you. And it isn't something where, look what I can do. It isn't that at all. I think it's a gift. I mean, in the theater, and we're sitting in a theater right now, we're saying to the actors every night, we're saying, guys, this is where you go out and you give a performance. Do not take one. Do not do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Go out there and give a performance. And I think that's what art is about. One of the things I'm excited about, even the possibility of making another feature, is that it's an opportunity to to demonstrate what I feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that connects. That's the important thing. I'm not serious. That's it. (laughs) So we were talking about Walt Disney earlier. And, you know, in animation, there's been a lot of really great uh, animation duos. You know, Walt and Roy Disney and uh, Disney, you think of... Uh, John Musker and Ron Clemens, and then you two, you know, Gary Goldman and Don Bluth. What has made your relate your working relationship work over the years, and why continue? Well, you go first. <laughs> you have to know when the toes are sticking really out, <laughs> and make sure when you're dancing together, you're not stepping on the toes. You know, those are the moments that are not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and it's the same with a, a, an animation ensemble. All the people we work with, when. When you have steady continuity going from one film to the next, you really know what each of those people can do, those that are growing and getting better, what they're also good at doing. And, and you get to the point where you can critique somebody and they don't walk away crying. You know what I mean? That they, <laughs> they, they believe you because of your own track record and what you've done. I mean, it's important that a director has, has animated before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also direct, for the director to understand story. I am surprised you're saying this. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I've seen people, person after person yes. coming out of your room with a handkerchief. No, no, crying. you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, well. Uh, no, you know, I, I, think it's, um, I think it's just that whole thing again. The, the impo- what was the question? How, how, how do we come, stay together? So yeah, long why have you worked we so well together? Oh, that's it. Well, um, I think he can do what I can't do, and I do what he doesn't do. So it works pretty much sort of like a marriage because Mm -hmm. I'm not a detail person. I can work on the broad strokes and everything, and I've learned to draw a little bit. So uh, I can do all that kind of thing. What Gary is really good at is detailing and decorating and making it look really good, and he's patient where, you know, I go crazy. Um, (laughs) So, but, But I can't do what he does. I can't do that. And he's very good at dealing with people and talking with them and everything. And I, of course, you know, lose the head. So it, it, it's just that we each have something. And I couldn't make the features we made. We've made 12. I couldn't make those unless Gary was there doing what he does. It's an interesting relationship because because of, 
having a, uh, an independent company, mm-hmm. our job was to make sure we had the next picture in line. Yep. So that when animators were done, storyboards and recordings were done, mm-hmm. so they could jump right over here, and yep. we're not having them sit there doing nothing, earning a salary, or we, we rarely laid people off. But I mean, the point is that at some point, Don say, "Okay, I've seen an, a thousand feet of animation; it's going good. It's yours. I'm moving over here on this mm-hmm. script, and uh, I'll check in with you every once in a while." So I just take it to the end. So we're, we're going halfway through. He's got a whole take t- to. Sorry. I knew. He's always nervous when I have my hands. When he starts gesturing, yes. Yeah, just <laughs> lucky I don't have a pencil in my hand. He used to take it out of my face. I poke my eyes out. Uh, but uh, the, the point is is that he's got one year to get all that storyboarding done and get over on the yep. new script. And so that I don't know how you do it with just one director, any any movie, especially if that's going. A lot of studios are, are so wealthy with their, their profits mm-hmm. that they can have, say, six or eight or ten directors duos mm-hmm. that will take on pictures and work on them for three or four years before they actually go into real production. Yeah. Do you know one of the things I think it's important to say here is for me everything is music and, and if you tune into music and you have that kind of thing in your heart, um, animation is visual music. In fact, uh, the director's room in the, in the old classical days when Walt was there and directing and everything, it, the room was called the music room. And they had a piano in there. And so they would often, you know, play the piano and compose songs. And then music has a beat to it. Well, so does animation. And any really, really experienced animator will know that that beat, they should work to a beat. So it's going dum, 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 da-da, da-dum, da-dum, da-da-dum. And, and that's a beat. And you'll see visually the characters move to that beat. And that gives a leg up to the man who's going to compose the score. Because once he senses that beat going on, the music then you know tells him what to write. So it's visual, it's visual music. Mm-hmm. Every composer we've used have, have noticed almost immediately, thinking they're going to do some grand sweeping score, and then mm-hmm. they suddenly go, you know, there's already a rhythm going on, uh-huh. mm-hmm. mm. and all of a sudden they're using that, you know, because it just emphasizes what you're doing with the animation. I have a question. Rotoscope. Uh huh. <laughs> What does that mean? Us? Ah, the name of the podcast. Why do yeah. we call ourselves rotoscopers? Yes. yes. Okay. The reason why we call ourselves rotoscopers is because we're not actually creating anything. We just go over it. Yes. Yeah, oh. So we, we are not the animators, but we review animated films. And we kind of go over, you know, like a, a rotoscoper, an actual animator, would kind of trace over the live action footage. And while they are creating a little bit of something, it's not, you know, and that's what we do when we review our movies. It's not our movies, it's but someone else's movies. You're the creators, we're the roto. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're the scopers, we're the roto. Yep, yep. There we go. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, almost every once Walt Disney decided to do a feature film, and he was actually training animators to get ready mm-hmm. for this feature film um, you know he made that decision right up front you know human beings we're going to rotoscope mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if they, I don't know where that word at what time came up but I remember when I was at Disney and animating and they gave me a human scene and they gave me footage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's almost impossible you're not tracing it off if you do the thing's just going to float around uh-huh. have no weight no mm-hmm. nothing so uh, when you think of people like Mark Davis or even Milt Call, may not have yeah. used the actual frames, yeah. but he had, he'd have a moviola of the actress. How does she walk mm-hmm. on Rescuers? He did. A, I was going in his room and, and he'd have a, he'd be studying something, mm. 
you know, of, of how he was going to animate this character. Yeah. He was one of the few that probably didn't. Or at least if he did, he kept the door closed I and he yes. never I, saw it. He didn't tell you. You know what? That's a huge thing. There's a, there's a great thing on Snow White when they were doing Snow White. Uh, he got a, a really beautiful dancer. Her name was Marge Champion. Mm-hmm. You know, Marge and Gower Champion. Anyway, uh, Marge came in. She was only 16 or 17 at that time. She came in and did all of the acting for Snow White. I mean, just did the whole mm-hmm. thing. Interesting point is <laughs> she was not allowed to go to the premiere, mm-hmm. nor tell anyone she was the model. Mm-hmm. So that they, you would think that all the animators, bless their hearts, you know, just got this out of their brain somehow in some magical way. But actually, she was the inspiration for the way she moved. And if you look at Marge and watch her move around, she's very old now, but still moves. Yeah. But watch her move around, that's Snow White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just everything, all this stuff with the hands and that kind of, that is her. That's the way she moves and dances. Nobody knows that. <laughs> they hid that fact. I think awesome. There's nothing more, you know, it's not fun to watch human animation that hasn't had some reference to mm-hmm. reality because it just looks clumsy. Well, isn't it know? Walt that said, yeah, he said to all his animators, he wrote this out in his book called Analysis of Action, but he said, unless we look at real life and unless we then caricature real life or, or make it more exaggerated, the audience won't know what we're talking about and they won't connect with it. So, you know, if you're going to give legs to the Little Mermaid, then you better give legs to her that we recognize that she can walk and she can dance and everything. You can't just pull that out of your head. We're very critical about human movement. Mm-hmm. And if you see something moving that isn't quite like a human being, you say, uh, uh, The eye knows. It doesn't it work. It breaks your, your sense of, uh, of believability. But I think it's animators with their egos, you know, have to say, no, no, I can do this. I don't need any help. Don't need any help. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if they knew, you know, what... what Mark Davis, when he's doing Cruella DeVille, you know, that uh, they made sure they had plenty of research and plenty of, of film footage that uh, made it all work really well. And he would exaggerate it. It's almost like we're not doing the same kind of acting that you do in movies. We're doing acting like you do in plays. Mm-hmm. So the people in the, you know, where the third row, third balcony up, can see you got heavy makeup so they can see if you know you open your mouth really wide when you talk they can almost read your lips up there and big gestures mm-hmm. i'm just i'm watching your gestures right now. <laughs> oh, i'm so sorry gestures very animated you know i'm not italian either <laughs> yes. well if you guys need a, a, an actress for daphne i think i i got the look i got the you body got this. Just got this. <laughs> <laughs> i live in Thank phoenix you. so oh, phoenix. we can't wait i'm sure there's other people who can't wait. you can that's right <laughs> no i do not you can no, no. Well, I thought we had it. All right. All right. I, She's I was iconic. Can y'all should cast Chelsea as the voice of Daphne. I think she can get that squeak down. Let me hear that, Chelsea. Let's say, what is that? Chelsea, the, say, the to kill the dragon, take the magic sword. To kill the dragon, take the magic sword. <laughs> Very, I don't know. What, what type of a squeak are you looking for? <laughs> no, no, that, that shows great promise. <laughs> Save me. No, you go south right there. I've been south too long. No, There's no a lot of people chiming in on I'm the comments. Sure. I certainly hope she's not going to be dressed right. like Daphne. Yeah. <laughs> and all the guys, of course, are arguing back. Don't change Daphne one bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's say that. That's true. Oh, well. All right. So how do you, how do you all address that? that? There's like a big movement of the, the like anti-traditional princess image. You know, why do they have to be girly and proper? You know, so how do you all address that with Daphne's character? Well, I think what's going to happen with Daphne is we'll wind up making her uh, a person of substance. So she does have a good brain. She can think. That's important right there. So anybody yeah. can act, you know, like they're dumb. They can do that. 
And I think Daphne at some point probably can put on that, but she's uh, she's playing with Dirk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's teasing right. him and playing with him. Um, and Dirk, we can't make him, you know, a dummy either. He has to play back. All right, so last co- la- big question for me. Is Daphne's mom going to be in the film? Because in uh, Dragon Slayer 2, she was amazing. <laughs> no. She's wonderful. <laughs> They're not married yet. And we don't oh, know right. we, we don't know anything about the other castle where, where Princess Daphne came from for for this celebration. Gotcha. Okay, so this is more backstory, so the mom is not going to make. Yeah, we can't tell you too much backstory yet Maybe because yeah, spoil well, the movie. Yeah. Come on, that's why you got to contribute to the campaign. Oh, okay. right. So right. if you were to have one last, well, I mean, you still have quite a bit of time left on your campaign, but if someone's on the fence or they haven't contributed yet, give them a pitch. Why should they? Because if you don't. What's going to happen to you is while you're sleeping in the middle of the night, we're going to send a creepy crawler into your room, crawl up on your bed while you're sleeping, snuggle up next to you and say, don't be a dummy. <laughs> That's what's going to happen to you. So I would just to save yourself and have a you know, life of happiness and not grief, you need to at least give $5. Don't be a cheapie. It's, it's, it's one cup of coffee. One Come Starbucks, on. just cut it out. Yeah, a tall one. I yeah, mean, exactly, yeah, a big grocery. one. What do they call it? Venti. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the creepy crawly needs to be that monster that comes out of the drawbridge. At the That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. like sputtery, disgusting voice. You know. That's the one. And in the wake of that creepy crawly, there's slime. You're going to have to wash your sheets. So <laughs> I, was really... I, I love how in the, in the Dragon's Lair game, you can't trust any fluids. Every fluid that seeps out of the castle is out to kill you. <laughs> no, you can't. You've got the whole picture. <laughs> well, oh, man. Well, there you got it, folks. This is your chance to be able to help out with history. So make sure to head on over. we got the links down below, and you are going to be able to help out make Dragon's Lair a thing. Make it the biggest thing out there. It'll be great. Yep. Can we give the salute? The salute. All right, guys. Hope that helps. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll put some dazzle on this. Put some dazzle in there. Uh, Yeah, some pixie dust. Yes. So thank you, Gary. Thank you, Don, for letting us. And again, like Chelsea said, please, you know, contribute, whether it's a dollar or $5,000. I mean, I think that your guys' last effort, while amazing, Titan A.E. is a great film. I think some people think that it wasn't your... You know, magnum opus that you could have ended on. So we yeah, are magnum. Well, yeah, we started that, but <laughs> the big finale. I think this could be Mr. at least the start of it. Yeah, so. A new mag. Yep. A, a new mag. We're not done yet. Not oh yet. no. <laughs> anyway, thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, y'all. Woo. Woo.